Section 25 of History of New England, 1630 to 1649. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. History of New England, 1630 to 1649 by John Winthrop. Section 25, 1648. 1648, 10, 3, May 10. The Court of Elections was at Boston. Mr. Sims, pastor of Charleston, preached. Mr. Winthrop was chosen governor again, and Mr. Dudley, deputy governor. Mr. Indicott, sergeant major, and he and Mr. Bradstreet, commissioners, etc. 3. Here arrived three ships from London in one day. By the passengers we understood, as also by letters from Mr. Winslow, etc., how the hopes and endeavors of Dr. Child and other the petitioners, etc., had been blasted by the special providence of the Lord, who still wrought for us. Dr. Child had a brother, a major of a regiment in Kent, who, being set on by his brother and William Vassal, who went from Situate to petition against the country, etc., set out a pamphlet, wherein he published their petition, exhibited to our general court, and other proceedings of the court. This was answered by Mr. Winslow in a book, entitled The Salamander, pointing therein at Mr. Vassal, a man never at rest, but when he was in the fire of contention, wherein he cleared the justice of our proceedings. Footnote. The two publications referred to are Major John Child's New England's Jonas Cast Up at London and Winslow's New England's Salamander Discovered. Both were published at London in 1647, and both were reprinted in the Collections of the Massachusetts Historical Society, the former in second series, four, the latter in third series, two. In footnote. As for those who went over to procure us trouble, God met with them all. Mr. Vassal, finding no entertainment for his petitions, went to Barbados. Dr. Child preferred a petition to the committee against us, and put in Mr. Thomas Fowl his name among others, but he, hearing of it, protested against it, for God had brought him very low, both in his estate and in his reputation, since he joined in the first petition. After this the doctor, meeting with Mr. Willoughby, footnote, Francis Willoughby, returning to New England, became a much-respected citizen, attaining the office of deputy governor, and at the restoration strongly opposing the exercise of the royal prerogative. In footnote. Upon the exchange, this Mr. Willoughby dwelt at Charlestown, but his father was a colonel of the city. In following in talk about New England, the doctor railed against the people, saying there were a company of rogues and knaves. Mr. Willoughby answered that he who spoke so, etc., was a knave, whereupon the doctor gave him a box on the ear. Mr. Willoughby was ready to have closed with him, etc., but being upon the exchange he was stayed, but presently arrested him. And when the doctor saw the danger he was in, he employed some friends to make his peace, who ordered him to give five pounds to the poor of New England, for Mr. Willoughby would have nothing of him, and to give Mr. Willoughby open satisfaction in the full exchange, and to give it under his hand, never to speak evil of New England men after, nor to occasion any trouble to the country, or to any of the people, all of which he gladly performed, and besides God had so blessed his estate, as he was quite broken, etc. Samuel Gorton arrived here. The court, being informed of it, made an order that he should be apprehended, etc., but he sending us the Earl of Warwick's letter, desiring only that he might have liberty to pass home, the court recalled their former order, and gave him a week's liberty to provide for his departure. This was much opposed by some, but the most considered that, it being only at the Earl's request, no command, it could be no prejudice to our liberty, and our commissioner being still attending the Parliament, it might have disadvantaged our cause in his expedition if the Earl should have heard that we had denied him so small a request. Yet it was carried only by a casting voice. 
The Gortonist of Sheomet, hearing how matters were like to go against them in England, and illegible by Aquidae, began to consider how they might make their peace with us, and for that end sent two of their company to petition our general court, etc. But these messengers being come to Dedham, and hearing that the court was adjourned, they came no further, but one of them wrote a letter to her governor, in this tenor following. The right worshipful Mr. John Winthrop, governor of the Massachusetts, humbly presented to your worship's consideration, that whereas I, with another, was chosen by the general court held at Providence the 18th of this month, and sent with an humble request to this honorable state concerning Shamlet business, when we came at Dedham, hearing that the general court was adjourned, I, your suppliant, being inhabitant of Shamlet, seriously weighing my present condition there, I made bold to advise with Mr. Powell, footnote, Michael Powell kept the ordinary, or tavern, at Dedham, but coming later to Boston, was one of the founders and ruling elders of the second church, in footnote, concerning the same, who advised me to repair to your worship, which, on consideration, I could not, till I had some knowledge of your worship's favorable acceptation. My humble request, therefore, is, that your worship would be pleased to send me your mind in a few lines concerning the premises. So, craving your worship's favorable construction, I remain, yours most humbly, Rufus Barton, Dedham, May twenty second, sixteen forty eight. This year corn was very scarce, and so it was in all countries of Europe. Our scarcity came by occasion of our transporting much to the West Indies and the Portugal and Spanish islands. The magistrates sent out to have a survey of the corn in the country, and finding it to fall very short, the next general court made an order to prohibit transportation, except of such as should be brought in from other parts, and such as were sold before to be transported, etc. Yet this restraint notwithstanding, etc., the price did not rise twelve pence in the bushel, nor, through the good providence of the Lord, was the scarcity much felt among the people. Mr. Eaton, having again moved the governor to know the mind of the court touching the Dutch governor's proceedings, the court appointed a committee to consider of it after the court was adjourned, and withal to consider of the articles of confederation and some of the commissioner's orders. For there was some murmuring among the people about the inequality of some articles, as that we bearing more than half the charge upon all occasions, etc., should yet have no more commissioners than the smallest of the other, and that all charges should be levied by the poll, considering how great a part of our people were laborers and craftsmen, and of theirs the most were farmers and well-stocked, etc. 28.3. May 28th. Soon after the court was adjourned, the governor received two letters from the Dutch governor, holding forth much assurance of his sincere affection to a firm peace and neighborly compliance with all the English, and that upon these grounds. 1. Our unity in the true religion. 2. The ancient league between the two nations. 3. The community in danger, in respect of the common enemy, both Spaniards and Indians. 4. The reconciling former differences and preventing future. 5. The benefit of a mutual league, both offensive and defensive, against a common enemy. And offered to meet Mr. Bradford, the governor of Plymouth, and Mr. Winthrop, the governor of the Massachusetts at Connecticut, at such time as we should appoint, and to refer all to us. The governor returned answer to him, of what gladness he conceived in his forwardness to peace, and had no reason to doubt of his cordial intentions, etc., promising to further the meeting what lay in his power, etc. There was some reason why the Dutch governor's spirit should begin to fall, both in regard of the weakness the state of Holland, especially the West India Company, were fallen into, which was not the least occasion of their late peace with Spain. Footnote. The United Provinces ended the Eighty Years' War with Spain by the Treaty of Munster, January 30, 1648. The Dutch West India Company, whose fortunes had fallen very low, was rechartered in 1647. In footnote. 
and also in respect of the doubts which he was fallen into at this time, both from his own unruly people, and also of their neighbor Indians, for neither would his people be restrained from furnishing the Indians with guns, powder, etc., nor would the Indians endure to be without that trade. And the great loss the company had sustained by late wreck of three ships, and the old governor and many principal men with him, made him doubtful of any great supply from Holland. 4. 4. June 4th. Here arrived one Sir Edmund Plowden, footnote, an unsuccessful adventurer who planned a large enterprise and secured in 1634 a patent from the crown of Ireland, making him Earl Palatine of the province of New Albion. Of the great feudal domain projected, nothing ever came. Its history is fully related by Professor Gregory B. Keane in Windsor's Narrative and Critical History of America, Volume 3, pages 457-468, in footnote, who had been in Virginia about seven years. He came first with a patent of a county palatine for Delaware Bay, but wanting a pilot for that place, he went to Virginia, and there having lost the estate he brought over, and all his people scattered from him, he came hither to return to England for supply, intending to return and plant Delaware, if he could get sufficient strength to dispossess the Swedes. This year a new way was found out to Connecticut by Nashaway, which avoided much of the hilly way. The magistrates, being informed at a court of assistance that four or five Indians, who lived upon the spoil of their neighbors, had murdered some Indians of Nipnet, who were subject to this government, and robbed their wigwam, sent twenty men to Nashaway to inquire of the truth of the matter, and to apprehend the murderers if they could be found. But being fled to Ragnaset, they returned, inform us certainly of the persons murdered, and of the actors, etc., which was of this good use, though they could not apprehend them, that the Indians saw care of them, and readiness to protect them, and revenge their wrongs. After this, two Indians of Kutshamakin's procuring, offering themselves to apprehend some of the murderers, we gave them commission, and withal wrote to Mr. Pinchion to assist them, etc., they being near Springfield. Mr. Pinchion offered his assistance, but wrote to the governor, that the Indians murdered, nor yet the murderers, were not our subjects, and withal that it would endanger a war, whereupon the governor advising with the deputy, etc., wrote back presently to Mr. Pinchion, that then he should proceed no further, but send back the Indians, etc., at this court one margaret jones of charlestown was indicted and found guilty of witchcraft and hanged for it the evidence against her was one that she was found to have such a malignant touch as many persons men women and children whom she stroked or touched with any affection or displeasure or etc were taken with deafness or vomiting or other violent pains or sickness two she practising physic and her medicines being such things as by her own confession were harmless as aniseed liquors etc yet had extraordinary violent effects. 3. She would use to tell such as would not make use of her physic that they would never be healed, and accordingly the diseases and hurts continued, with relapse against the ordinary course, and beyond the apprehension of all physicians and surgeons. 4. Some things which she foretold came to pass accordingly, other things she could tell of as secret speeches, etc., which she had no ordinary means to come to the knowledge of. 5. She had, upon search, an apparent tea in her secret parts as fresh as if it had been newly sucked, and after it had been scanned upon a forced search that was withered, another other began on the opposite side. 6. In the prison, in the clear daylight, there was seen in her arms, she sitting on the floor, and her clothes up, etc., a little child which ran from her into another room, and the officer following it, it was vanished. The like child was seen in two other places to which she had relation and one maid that saw it fell sick upon it and was cured by the said margaret 
who used means to be employed to that end. Her behavior at her trial was very intemperate, lying notoriously and railing upon the jury and witnesses, etc., and in the like distemper she died. The same day and hour she was executed, there was a very great tempest at Connecticut, which blew down many trees, etc. 4. June. The wife of one Willop of Exeter was found in the river dead, her neck broken, her tongue black and swollen out of her mouth, and the blood settled in her face, the privy parts swollen, etc., as if she had been much abused, etc. A vessel of Connecticut, being the last winter at Quirasso, footnote, Curaçao, in footnote, in the possession of the Dutch, found there a negro who had lost his legs, and had been sent thither out of Holland to perform such service to the governor as he was fit for, having been trained up to some learning in Holland. This man had attained to some good savor of religion, so as he grew weary of the Dutch of the island, who were very debauched, only one man he found some piety in, and there being some Indians in the island, he acquainted himself with them, and having attained some skill in their language, he began to instruct them and their children in the knowledge of God, etc., and the Lord so blessed his endeavors, as the Indians began to hearken to him, and yielded themselves to be taught at certain times which this negro appointed. This negro told the master of the English vessel, one bull, a godly and discreet man, of all his proceedings, and what comfort he had in that one godly Dutchman, saying that he never was in his company, but he found Jesus Christ warming him at the heart. He inquired of Bull about New England and our religion and churches, and asked if we were of those Christians who advanced the doctrine of merits, etc., and much rejoiced when he heard the truth of our doctrine, etc., and showed himself very desirous to see New England, and so left him at that time. 28. The welcome of Boston, about 300 tons, riding before Charleston, having in her 80 horses and 120 tons of ballast, in calm weather, felt the rolling, and continued so about 12 hours, so as though they brought a great weight to the one side, yet she would heel to the other, and so deep as they feared her foundering. It was then the time of the county court at Boston, and the magistrates hearing of it, and withal that one Jones, the husband of the witch lately executed, had desired to have passage in her to Barbados, and could not have it without such payment, etc. They sent the officer presently with a warrant to apprehend him, one of them saying that the ship would stand still as soon as he was in prison. And as the officer went, and was passing over the ferry, one said to him, You can tame men sometimes, can't you tame the ship? The officer answered, I have that here that it may be will tame her, and make her be quiet, and with that showed his warrant, and at the same instant she began to stop and presently stayed, and after he was put in prison, moved no more. There appeared over the harbor at New Haven in the evening, the form of the keel of a ship with three masts, to which were suddenly added all the tackling and sails, and presently after, upon the top of the poop, a man standing with one hand akimbo under his left side, and his right hand a sword stretched out toward the sea. Then from the side of the ship, which was from the town, arose a great smoke, which covered all the ship, and in that smoke she vanished away, but some saw her keel sink into the water. This was seen by many, men and women, and it continued about a quarter of an hour. Footnote. The spectral ship of New Haven, the tradition of which was taken up and characteristically developed by Cotton Mather, is one of the most weird of New England legends, and has become very familiar to the later generations. In footnote. Diverse letters passed between our governor and the Dutch governor about a meeting for reconciling the differences between our confederates of New Haven, etc., and him. But Mr. Bradford, the governor of Plymouth, being one of the two whom the Dutch governor desired to refer the differences unto, being sent unto about it, came to Boston, and there excused himself by bodily infirmities and other reasons, 
that he could not go to Hartford that summer, but promised, the Lord assisting, to prepare against the middle of the 4 June next summer. So the governor, Mr. Hopkins being then also at Boston, dispatched away letters presently to the Dutch governor to certify him thereof, who returned answer soon after that he was very sorry the meeting did not hold, and professed his earnest inclination to peace, and that he never had any thought of war, and desired that in the meantime all things might remain as they were, neither encroaching upon others' pretended limits, desiring withal that he might meet the commissioners of the colonies also to treat with them about the Indian trade, which was much abused, etc. 15.6, August 15. The Synod met at Cambridge by adjournment from the 4 June last. Mr. Allen of Dedham preached out of Acts 15, a very godly learned and particular handling of near all the doctrines and applications concerning that subject with a clear discovery and reputation of such errors, objections, and scruples as had been raised about it by some young heads in the country. It fell out, about the midst of his sermon, there came a snake into the seat, where many of the elders sat behind the preacher. It came in at the door, where people stood thick upon the stairs. Diverse of the elders shifted from it, but Mr. Thompson, one of the elders of Braintree, a man of much faith, trod upon the head of it, and so held it with his foot and staff, with a small pair of grains, footnote, pair of grains, a short of fish spear, in footnote, until it was killed. This being so remarkable, and nothing falling out but by divine providence, it is out of doubt the Lord discovered somewhat of his mind in it. The serpent is the devil, the synod, the representative of the churches of Christ in New England. The devil had formerly and lately attempted their disturbance and dissolution, but their faith in the seed of the woman overcame him and crushed his head. The synod went on comfortably, and intended only the framing of a confession of faith, etc., in a form of church discipline, not entertaining any other business. For the first they wholly agreed with that which the assembly in England had lately set forth. For the other V's, for discipline, they drew it by itself, according to the general practice of our churches. So they ended in less than fourteen days. Footnote. At this synod was laid down the famous Cambridge platform upon which the congregational polity of New England substantially rested until 1780. Twenty years of experience had taught the leaders that congregationalism might be too absolute. Hence this grafting upon the original idea of the council or synod, which differed from Presbyterianism in not being permanent, only resorted to in temporary emergencies, and yet was a decided check upon independency. The platform, or book of discipline, as it was often called, was adopted, hardly with cordiality, but remained long in authority. See Palfrey, History of New England, Volume 1, page 330. In footnote. This month, when our first harvest was near had in, the pigeons came again all over the country, but did no harm, harvest being just in, but provided a great blessing, it being incredible what multitudes of them were killed daily. It was an ordinary for one man to kill eight or ten dozen in half a day, yea, five or six dozen at one shoot, and some seven or eight. Thus the Lord showed us that he could make the same creature, which formerly had been a great chastisement, now to become a great blessing. About the midst of the summer there arose a fly out of the ground, about the bigness of the top of a man's little finger, of brown color. They filled the woods from Connecticut to Sudbury with a great noise, and eat up the young sprouts of the trees, but meddled not with the corn. There were also between Plymouth and Braintree, but came no further. If the Lord had not stopped them, they had spoiled all our orchards, for they did some few. At the last meeting of the commissioners at New Haven, information was given them that Sesquishen, a sachem near Hartford, would have hired an Indian to kill some of the magistrates of Hartford, whereupon he was sent for, but came not, and being among other Indians about Pecumtucket, 
Footnote. Pocumtucket became later Deerfield. In footnote. They sent for Uncas, who undertook to fetch him in, which he not being able to do by force, he surprised him in the night and brought him to Hartford, where he was kept in prison diverse weeks. But there was not sufficient proof to convict him, etc. He was just charged. Yet the Indians from whom he was taken took it so to heart against Uncas as they intended to make war upon him, and the Narangnesets sent wampum to them to encourage them, and accordingly in this month there were gathered together from diverse parts about one thousand Indians armed, three hundred or more having guns, powder, and bullets, and were at Pecumtucket preparing, etc., which the magistrates of Hartford hearing of, they sent three horsemen to them, one being very expert in the Indian language, to know their intent, and to tell them that if they made war upon Uncas, the English must defend him. The Indian sachems entertained the messengers courteously, and having heard their message, they took time to give their answer, which was this, viz. they knew the English to be a wise and warlike people, and they intended not to fall out with them, therefore for the present they would desist, and consider further of the matter. And God had so disposed, as at the same instant they had intelligence of a defeat given to some of their confederates by other Indians, which called them to their aid, and also the Narangnesat had failed to send them all the wampum he had promised. Thus the Lord delivered us from that war, which must needs have been very dangerous, especially to our brethren of Connecticut. The Narangnesat and Neantic, dealing thus underhand, contrary to their covenant, and being yet behind near one thousand fathom of the wampum they should have paid us long since, the commissioner, sitting at Plymouth, 7 September, ordered four men to be sent to them with an interpreter, with instructions how to treat with them, both concerning their hiring other Indians to war upon Uncas, and also about the wampum behind. Captain Atherton and Captain Pritchard, assisted with two others, voluntarily undertook the service, and went hence, 3-8, October 3rd. They were to have taken Benedict Arnold for their interpreter, but being from home, they went to Mr. Williams, who sent for the Sachems. But they had heard that many horsemen were come to take them, which made Pesicus fly over to Rhode Island. Then our messengers went to Neantic, where Ninnicraft entertained them courteously, there they stayed the Lord's Day, and came back with them to Mr. Williams, and then Pesicus and Canonicus's son, being delivered of their fear, came to them, and being demanded about hiring the Mohawks against Uncas, they solemnly denied it, only they confessed that the Mohawk, being a great sachem, and their ancient friend, and being come so near them, they sent twenty fathom of wampum for him to tread upon, as a matter of Indians is. And Canonicus's son, called Blank, useth as servation, viz. Englishman's God doth know, that we did not send to stir up or hire the Mohawks against Uncas. Then they further promised they would not meddle with Uncas, nor stir up any other against him, before they had paid all their debt of wampum to the English, and then they would require satisfaction for all the wrongs Uncas had done them, and if the English would not see them satisfied, they would consider what to do. And further wampum behind, etc., they desired the English to bear with them, and regard their want of corn last winter, had made them lay out their wampum to the English for corn. But in the spring they would provide part of it, and the rest so soon as they could. 8. October. A shallop having been fishing at Monhegan, and returning with other boats, and being put in at Damerel's Cove, footnote, no Damaris Cove Island, near Monhegan, on the main coast, in footnote, the other boats fell to their oars, the wind failing, and called upon this boat to do the like, that they might be harbored before night. But they were slothful and neglected, etc., whereupon she missed her way and was split upon a rock, and all the men, being four and one Indian, and all the goods perished. 20. In the time of our general court here arrived from Virginia one Mr. Harrison, 
pastor of the church at Nansemen there, and reported to us that the church was grown to one hundred and eighteen persons, and many more looking towards it, which had stirred up the governor there, Sir William Berkeley, to raise persecution against them, and he had banished their elder, Mr. Durand, and himself, viz. Mr. Harrison, was to depart the country by the third ship at furthest, which had caused him to come now to take advice of the magistrates and elders here about the matter. First he spake with the magistrates and propounded two things. One, whether their church ought not to remove upon this persecution. Two, whether we advise them to remove. To the first our answer was that seeing God had carried on his work so graciously hitherto, and that there was so great hope of a far more plentiful harvest at hand, many of the council being well inclined, etc., and one thousand of the people by conjecture, they should not be hasty to remove as long as they could stay upon any tolerable terms. For the place they should remove to, if necessitated, Mr. Harrison acquainted us with a place allowed and propounded to them, and the occasion of it which was thus. Captain W. M. Sale of Summers Islands, footnote Bermudas, in footnote, having been lately in England, had procured an ordinance of Parliament for planting the Bahamas Islands, now called Ilefuria, in the mouth of the Gulf of Florida, and wanting means to carry it on, had obtained of diverse Parliament men and others in London to undertake the work which they did, and drew up a covenant and articles for all to enter into who would come into the business. The first article was for liberty of conscience, wherein they provided that the civil magistrate should not have cognizance of any matter which concerned religion, but every man might enjoy his own opinion or religion, without control or question, nor was there any word of maintaining or professing any religion or worship of God at all, and the commission, by authority of the ordinance of Parliament, to Captain Sale to be governor three years was with limitation, that they should be subject to such orders and directions as from time to time they should receive from the company in England, etc. Upon these terms they furnished him with a ship, and all provisions and necessaries for the design, and some few persons embarked with him, and sailed to the Summers Islands, where they took in Mr. Patrick Copeland, elder of that church, a godly man of near eighty years of age, and so many other of the church there, as they were in the ship in all seventy persons. But in the way to Eleutheria, one Captain Butler, a young man who came in the ship from England, made use of his liberty to disturb all the company. He could not endure any ordinances or worship, etc., and when they arrived at one of the Eleutheria islands, and were intended there to settle, he made such a faction as enforced Captain Sale to remove to another island, and being near the harbor, the ship struck and was cast away. The persons were all saved, save one, but all their provisions and goods were lost, so as they were forced, for diverse months, to lie in the open air and to feed upon such fruits and wild creatures as the islands afforded. But finding their strength to decay, and no hope of any relief, Captain Sale took a shallop and eight men, with such provisions as they could get, and set sail, hoping to attain either the Summers Islands or Virginia or New England. And so it pleased the Lord to favor them, that in nine days they arrived in Virginia, their provisions all spent, etc. Those of the church relieved them, and furnished them with a bark and provisions to return to relieve their company left in Eleutheria. Captain Sale, finding the church in this state, persuaded them to remove to Eleutheria, which they began to listen unto. But after they had seen a copy of his commission and articles, etc., though he undertook to them that the company in England would alter anything they should desire yet, they paused upon it, for the church were very orthodox and zealous for the truth. It would not resolve before they had received advice from us. Whereupon letters were returned to them, dissuading them from joining with that people under those terms. 9. November 2. 
Here arrived a Dutch hoy of about thirty tons, with cordage and other goods, seven men in her. She came from the Isle of Wight hither in five weeks. 18. One Bezalel Peyton of the Church of Boston, coming from Barbados in a vessel of sixty tons, was taken with a great storm of wind and rain at east in the night between Cape Cod and the bay, so as he was forced to put out two anchors, but the storm increasing, they were put from their anchors, and seeing no way but death before their eyes, they commended themselves to the Lord, who delivered them marvelously, for they were carried among Cunnyhasset rocks, yet touched none of them, and put on shore upon a beach, and presently there came a mighty sea, which lifted their vessel over the beach into a smooth water, and after the storm was over they used means and got her safe out. The like example of the blessing of prayer fell out not long after in saving a small open vessel of ours, wherein was one Richard Calica of the Church of Dorchester, who being eastward about trading was carried by a violent storm among the rocks, where they could find no place to get out. So they went to prayer, and presently there came a great sea, and heaved their vessel over into the open sea in a place between two rocks. End of section 25